Welcome back to another episode of Speaking Vibrations. Today's going to be a snazzy one because it's always shout out to my jeweler. Introducing my brother, Tommy. How you doing, brother? Thank you for getting on the show. I appreciate you. Love I feel you. magical with that introduction. <laughs> magical happens at 420. Check oh, it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Happened already. <laughs> How are you, man? Oh, I just got off a bike ride. Running high on some endorphins right now. Hell yeah. Love running high. Oh yeah. It's where are you calling where are you calling from, Tommy? Richmond, Virginia. Richmond, Virginia, East Coast. Richmond, Virginia, right down off the I ninety five. Hell yeah. You go on those uh bike rides every single day? If it's the summertime, almost yes. Right now with the winter getting dark at what time? Five o'clock? Maybe a couple times a week. If you could squeeze it in there. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like my just my whole rhythm gets changed up every summer into winter. The days are longer, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Just, yeah, you could just pack more activities in there. I During feel like the, the winter time. I feel the... like I just kinda wanna hibernate. Oh my gosh, I was just about to say that. The wintertime out here on the East Coast is so gnarly. It's so conducive <laughs> to hibernating. It's so dark so soon. Right. And I'm not really like a morning person, so mornings are um, not like an everyday occurrence for me. So sometimes like, you know, I'm only seeing the sun for five, six hours a day, which is just absurd. That definitely makes me want to become a morning, more morning person for sure. Totally yes and also no. For myself personally, the, I just feel the morning is a time for me to get my body moving, and then slowly yet throughout the day progresses into more just being more active, more moving. I've you feel always like been that way. The morning time is essential for your day. Oh yeah, I got I got to do it. Wake up. <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. I mean, some people do skip the morning totally, entirely, all the time. Like, they just are night owls, and they're up until 4 or 5, and they just wake up at, like, 1 o'clock every single day, and they just send it through the, like, through the afternoon, evening times of the day. Yeah, well, you got any, do you have any rituals you do, like, every morning when you wake up? Like, you do, like, you drink a cup of coffee or something like that? Yeah, I have hella rituals. Right? (laughs) Yeah, start out in the morning with a little bit of a stretch, yeah, and then totally. uh, a dab, a little bit of uh, medicinal properties there for sure. Got to start off with some medicine, <laughs> and then uh, I like to do a little cleaning for sure. Yo, that's all. I feel like that is a very good palate cleanser for the mind. For it makes sure. you feel productive, and something that just makes you click. You know, something for, something for me that really makes me click um, is getting up before time hits double digits. I know I just said that I, I don't always get the mornings, but I mean, my eternal goal every morning is to wake up before double digits. I feel like if I wake up at 9 a.m. or like before time hits double digits, I just feel way more, um, I guess, like satisfied of my day. Hell yeah, that's an attainable goal right there. I like that. Yeah, for sure. Got to make it small markers. Like that now. The single digits and double digits. Yeah, just start winning automatically almost (laughs) every day. Almost every day. What are you doing nowadays to win uh, in your passion avenue? Ooh, uh, I would say be tied down to nothing. Speaking in a sense of uh, in my in my artistic journey with my jewelry, so just being able to have the freedom to really make whatever I want and not not be tied down to to meeting any any type of basically making whatever I want, how I want, when I want. Was that not something that you were you were uh, practicing and exercising? Right? Totally. Was was that not something that you were practicing beforehand, or is that... I would say from... Well, last time when you saw me, when you and your brother came down uh, to my studio, I was definitely in a different mindset than what I am... 
where I am now. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, very very production oriented. Uh, make making just putting a lot out there, and right now it's putting less out there, but putting more time into what I put out there. Mm. I feel and, like and really just trying to develop my artistic voice. Because mm. my goal is to to make something, and whatever that is, it, it has. Uh, a certain style recognition to it. Mm. We say, "Oh yeah, Tommy made that." Oh, or that looks like this. That looks like that. That's definitely something I've already. I mean, I feel like you've already had that signature in my eyes since I met you. You know what I mean? All your jewelry kind of had that unique touch of, uh, you know, Tommy. Tommy did my chain. You know, like it's that rust, that rustic look that you always that you always played with, but. I couldn't I couldn't agree more. I think um quality over quantity wins every single day. Yeah, and and I'm not and I'm not uh upset in, in how my journey's taken me, and I'm only glad because you need things like production to really uh put practice into play. Right, to like hone in your craft and like refine your characteristics oh, and your Oh yeah, it's it's building muscle memory like if you're playing mm. soccer getting touches in on the ball. Mhm. Yeah, each touch is just like you're getting that that one one step closer, and I'm always trying to just build my vocabulary with with my design mm. and expand on it. Because I've been thinking lately, um, where does where does my inspiration come from? And I feel, for me personally, it comes from just making things and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Figuring out how this tool works and how this material uh, bends, and then just getting an idea. Maybe I can work it like this and shape it like that, <laughs> and then try it. And sometimes it happens, and sometimes it doesn't. It's a, it's almost like you're a, like a. I mean, obviously, there's a huge design factor, but like you're like in the design engineering. You know what I mean? You're playing with with materials you're playing with um different metals or you know different factors of malleability right yeah different different media yeah different mediums exactly medias and yeah kind of like willy wonka's chocolate factory just up in there (laughs) whipping sugar being like yo this one will make you hit a fan if you don't burp (laughs) well you're messing around with molten hot minerals dude like yeah, so all the mistakes we can melt them back down and look at the stone. <laughs> oh, that's a great way to look at it. I was thinking more of the other, the opposite side of like how it's so, you know, it's so solid and it's so hard, it's so rigor rigorous, right? Like metal is not something that's like clay, right? It's the exact opposite. It's you know, playing with clay is already, you know, it has an intimidating factor in creation, and I can't imagine you know using a metal or something that that's so permanent into a into an aspect as jewelry making. Like it's almost like doing math with a pen. It's very robust. And one of the things too is um, that I'm on my journey now is deciding what, what avenue I kind of want to travel down next because you could be a fine jeweler or you could be a contemporary jeweler. Might I say you are already (laughs) a fine Judah, sir. Well, fine jewelry in the sense of making like engagement rings and real, real um, fine, dainty, fancy pieces. So, where would you put yourself now? More of a contemporary, contemporary jeweler. Mm. But I have no idea to tell the truth. I'm just kind of trying to go and see what happens. I think you're killing it, man. Uh, <laughs> while, Thank you. While you're going right now, what what's the most exciting? Like, what's what's hyping you up right now in the whole uh, jewelry space that you're playing with? Like, what's what's getting you the most stoked? Is it playing with the most uh, stoked? So this is gonna sound very um, uh, what is it? Pinpointed. I would say I just got a a bunch of silver, and I've been doing this process called tufa casting, and there's you have to when you melt the silver and weigh it out you really have to eyeball it there's no way that i've learned yet 
to where you can pinpoint the actual amount of silver you need. So I've gotten really good at eyeballing the correct amount to get uh, what's called a button Mm. from your castings, like a real good clean button. So that means that the metal that you pour just goes over the top of the mold like surface tension when you're pouring water into a cup you can get Mm -hmm. it to where it goes over the top a little bit Mm -hmm. like you're playing with a parabola yeah so i've been doing a lot a lot of uh eyeing eyeing up weights or eyeing my weights with my casting and getting really nice buttons and if you know you know and it's just been getting me excited dude that (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's so little but it's 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 nothing that's consistent, but it's something that's new to me mm-hmm. to, to where to, uh, that makes me proud. Right. And I mean, because six months ago, I definitely would not have be able to do it, to do what uh, I'm doing now. I'm sure. I mean, I can only imagine what that's actually like. So if you could, this is an auditory platform, obviously. So what does yep. that actually entail? Like, like I want to know what this is actually visually um, demanding, right? So you, you obviously have a, a super hot oven or kiln, right? Or some kind of like a no, I got heat a source or a torch. But, yeah. So what I've been doing a lot lately is tufa casting. So it's a soft rock that's um, compressed, condensed sediment. And you find it on, alongside rivers. What the fuck? Yeah, sick. gets cut into bricks, and then you cut those sizes into whatever mold you need, and you get, you get two halves. So you take those two halves, and you make each one very flat, so they just sit together perfect. And then one of those, you carve your form into. So for me, it's a ring, so just basically a ring... And then take that 3D form and make it 2D and then carve it into one of those tufa halves. Mm. Cast then, like casting it like Yeah, so you have a hollow you have a, a hollow mold and then from there you, you have to put silver in. So sometimes I'll use a casting grain, it looks like um little little tiny shiny pebbles of silver or just scrap. And so you have to put that into the mold half. And you have to factor in the gaps from the scrap metal or casting grain. So you kind of have to put it up, add enough to where, you know, popping off the top, get that surface tension. Popping off the top. Yeah, baby. And you throw it in your crucible, which is a a little clay dish. Mm. And you heat that up with a torch. And then you pour it in there. And then you got your your ring shank which is 2d and then you form it into a ring and easier said than done that is i'm sure way easier said than than done just imagining yeah. it right now so you i mean you're you're juggling molten molten metal right is that that's what you're saying whenever after the point in which it's already um in the crucible been melted down at this point this is a liquid metal right yeah, and, and going back to what you were saying, how stiff and rigid metal is, uh, melting the metal down is one is one way to uh, give it a quality of like plastic where it's malleable and you can work it. Mm-hmm. And so every time you bend the metal and you hit it with a hammer, you're work hardening it. So you're pushing the molecules that were stretched out from the heat back together and then making it rigid once again that's sick yeah so when i make these rings they're super they're super thick and i have to heat them up which is called annealing um several times before i get it to the form i want man yo tommy there yeah dude that's crazy you ever dropped like any molten molten like metal before like does it just like burn through the wood on the ground and like oh yeah oh yeah i have a i have a pumice stone which is kind of like a i I believe like a 
not a lava rock, but in that sense where it's light, it would float on water. So uh, I have I have a bunch yeah. of like uh, pebbles in a dish that I put my uh, whatever work I'm soldering or hitting with a torch, and then I got fire bricks as well. But I have picked up fire bricks. I have, I have picked up red hot metal before. I have dropped it on my lap while I was wearing basketball shorts. Holy shiz Nothing balls. bad happened. Knock on wood. What up? Dude, I thought like a like a like a hash ember or like a cigarette butt would be the worst thing ever, but like a oh, whole man. No, I, I wear I wear glasses that glass blowers wear when they're working, so the the torch doesn't hurt my eyes. And also, sometimes you know, especially when you're working with casted metals, there could be a little air pocket, and when you heat it up, uh, it acts like a piece of popcorn. Mm, yeah, I knew it. <clears throat> it's like one of those cases where it's one in a million, but it can happen. Has that happened to you? One time. Well, what do you think? Why? Why do you think that you were just being senseless? Uh, it's well, it's one of those things that you, like you don't ambient know temperature it's and like it probably yeah, it's just one of those things you don't know it's going to happen, and it's it's always like you just got to prepare for the worst. It's as yeah, it's a safety a safety measure. It's so, like so if you just put those glasses on when you're doing it, you should be good for the most part. I don't know why, but like jewelry making and um, metalworking, um, smelting, all that. It's just so gnarly to me. It's just like the most pure form of like, like manliness. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like <laughs> you see like these Vikings like pounding on these. Me- like, it's oh, just yeah, it's so medieval and it's just so shot. raw and it's just so. Like, it was such an honor to go to your studio whenever we did. Me and my brother did. Thank you so much for that as well. Just to be able to see, like, the actual, you know, hammering the, the, the hammer hitting the metal. And it's just like, clink, clink. Like, it's just so, it's just like a whole another world, man. It's like. Oh, uh, yeah. I love that spot. Great sunsets up there. Yeah, that was, that yeah, was a sick some, spot. I got some new digs. So, if you're ever in Richmond, you got to check out the new spot. Going up it's, there then. Uh, Going up fire. there. What is um this new spot your own uh personal studio now? What's up? What's your where are you at in your your jewelry making art world stand? Are you Yeah, so a couple of years ago I was uh talking with my dad and I was like, Yeah, I wanna find a place to rent that's like a garage. And uh I was I was looking for uh to just kind of change directions a little bit and look for a new studio place, mm-hmm, place to live mm-hmm. and whatnot and uh, I was hunting on Facebook Marketplace for for about six months, and this uh, one ad popped up, and it was for a uh, what do you call them? Re refurbished three car garage. And, that sounds uh, perfect. Yeah. So, and they got a separate car or separate garage bay attached to it. So that's where I got my studio set up, and then the other side is where I live, and then I I got a a painting studio set up over here. Sheesh! All right. Boys, an artist, dude. I love to hear it. Yeah, I've been throwing down the paint a lot lately this past uh, pandemic year. Hell yeah! What is it yeah. like? Oil, acrylic? Uh, I've been messing with the acrylics heavy and. One one of the things I started doing was cutting paper shopping bags open and using those as canvases because they're a really heavy, mm. heavy art paper, right? Or craft paper, so you could you could throw down a lot of paint; they won't bleed through and they'll hold up. I feel like they have some kind of coating on them as well. They like, might al- I mean, almost. They're like yeah. they, like you can fold them and like they almost crack. You know, like they're like really really rigid i know exactly what you're talking about that's actually a really smart idea yeah so i've been cutting the bottoms off and then, and then just uh making these big books of paintings and and with that whole series i was kind of learning color color theory and color study and seeing what what works together and what doesn't mm-hmm. using a color a color wheel to kind of uh as a guidebook 
being like this works because of this this color theme or this doesn't work because of that color theme isn't something that's visually appealing fuck that's so sick you actually pulled did you actually pull out a uh, a color wheel while you were painting or you just... oh yeah i just painted my own color wheel oh fuck yeah dude <laughs> that's sick it's like you literally put yourself through a fine arts a fine arts program like a small one i remember carolina going through fine arts in Silliman, and that's definitely part of uh, you know that's definitely part of the curriculum i remember her doing that for sure yeah one of the things too <clears throat> when you're when you're learning a craft and and going into something new when i'm doing this painting it's always uh like the overhead cost of buying all the materials and everything like that and that's where the paper bags came in because i think <laughs> they're uh like three cents at the aldi's Hell yeah. There's um a really good craft store in Richmond called Scrap RVA where it's uh like a goodwill of arts and craft supplies. Wow. So yeah, I <clears throat> I go in there and I'll pick up paints and whatnot. And now I've been picking up canvases from uh like Goodwill and other thrift stores. You know the ones that are like pre printed on, you get them at Target. Mm-hmm. So I've been I've been buying those like the 1.5 inch thick canvases, mm-hmm. and then just painting right over them. Well, you just throw like a base layer of white over it. Yeah, I throw a base layer of white or black or a pastel color. That's pretty sick. Yeah, so I I, I kind of because one of the things is like I'm making a lot of mistakes in my painting, and I know it for sure. But I'm not really <laughs> I'm not really financially tied to it because i know i know what these materials cost when you buy them at the art store and they're expensive as like they're expensive Mm -hmm, for sure Uh, but i feel like i found a a nice little way to to get similar quality or up there quality and not and without breaking the breaking the bank on it and still be able to experiment and have fun and uh you know no so, attached attitude to it. Absolutely. That's a beautiful way to do art. I feel like that only opens doors to more expression and doesn't allow, you know, monetary, yeah, monetary walls to hinder you from your creativity, which it's something ha- that is very myself and I, and it's very personal to me to the right. point where it's, it's separated from the jewelry because it, it, uh, like you said, no monetary value to it. There's no, rhyme or reason to it it's just me right. doing it to do it because i enjoy doing it and i'm trying to find something whatever so, that is through doing it right so as a homie of yours and um you know as a fan of you as an artist um Ooh. i've noticed that you've done a lot of things that are more you know uh in this direction so that's like conservation that's almost uh uh repurposing that's uh recycling um you've done some some uh recycled plastic bags out of the ocean into wallets you've done recycled or like repurposed the copper nails that were used in fishing boats into rings i'm currently rocking one right now shout out to my jeweler but i mean it seems like that is a common occurrence or a common um style with tommy's art right it seems like that's something that you do like you really almost have found this hack with an art that almost allows you to express at a deeper level because now you're not like a lot of artists are starving artists which is a common thing that you hear right and that's an emphasis in emphasis of lack of you know lack of money that these artists have and if you can kind of diminish that wall it allows you to express so much more 100 percent agreeable on that it's like I like I don't need, I don't care about the paint. It's like I don't care about the canvas. I don't care if I mess up. It's <clears throat> every every mistake is a purposeful action in the universal universal concept of things happening for a reason, right? Yeah, totally. And and there was a wall that I remember reaching when switching from working predominantly with copper and going into silver. Because there's a huge price increase. Oh yeah. And so that 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 really pulls the strings on the emotions. It's it's human nature. 
and and it really and it and that's so that's opinion, so that's so rich bro that's so yeah, rich. it definitely it definitely influences your designs and what you do with uh what you have before you because you really want to do the best thing possible with it and being an artist you're your own uh what do they call it your your biggest critic you're your own biggest critic mm-hmm. and so whatever type of my personality is like oh man you got to make it perfect don't mess up so being able so being able to remove yourself from having whatever negative connotation towards that it just lets you see things uh in a more clear light absolutely and then just lay down on the paper whatever you feel but or also, don't also, feel. <laughs> yeah, with also, I, I believe any any artist practice practices their skill. So whatever they put down is is something that they could do with their eyes closed. It's secondary nature. Hmm. So yeah. so so, what would be the purpose of doing it if it becomes secondary nature? If you could be so mindless, uh, I, I don't. I don't ask this in a rebuttaling tone i ask this in a in inquisitive tone because you know me i'm I'm an aspiring creator like i always say that i want to create more and do but i've never really picked up a paintbrush yeah (laughs) have you ever heard of the story of picasso when he's sitting in a park and someone comes up to him they say hey uh can you draw my portrait and he goes uh of course he draws a portrait and it takes a few seconds, it's a very simplified portrait. Abstract, Picasso I'm sure. Picasso in his later years, he hands it to her, hands it and says, yeah, uh, that's like $10,000. They go, what? <laughs> that much? It only took a few seconds. And he goes, that's because I've, tra- I've trained my whole life to draw those lines. And every every line or whatever you put down as mm. an artist you know you're trying to make it perfect and and me it's perfection comes through practice mm. it's like a golfer loves that with their swing right right it, and it becomes i mean that's why you hear uh this is to be taken in no way in direction to no one um but that's why you hear people say that artists actually figuratively are the most arrogant forms of people right because all they're trying to do is subjectively show that what they express and created is better than anything else and the value of it is much higher than it's actually priced at a um, material you know materials cost and, you know what i'm saying have you ever heard that before oh yeah well that that breaches the subject of one of my favorite movies uh f is for fake by orson wells okay can you can you repeat that so um yep for the vibrators out there f is for fake by orson wells i believe it's on youtube you can watch it for free great movie it's about um and i so orson wells did war of the worlds which um was a story that freaked people out um because they all thought it was real. <laughs> so efforts for fake is about um, an Love artist that. who is uh, some say the world's forger, who forges all the top artists in the world and puts them in museums everywhere. Um, Almir Dehori. I've seen this. And so, so I've seen this. you get into the movie, right? And you go, wait a minute, is this story even real? But you become so convinced. Yeah, so watching the movie and then asking myself as a viewer, is is this artist, Elmir Dehori, even a real person? Or is he just <laughs> a figment of... Uh, He's a counterfeit. Imagination. Yeah, he just he, yeah, he's a counterfeit. <laughs> he's just as fake as his art that he he counterfeits. Exactly. So yeah, I have been I've been saying this to myself lately, um things only have power what 
you give them power. Hell yeah. I fuck with that hard. Yeah, so things things only should matter what matter to you. And, you know, you can take that with a grain of salt. Um, but just trying to live a life of being being content with what you're doing and who you are. And almost like living life formless instead of forcing yourself to be in a certain rigid way, right? Totally. I have to be this uh, spiritual person who doesn't cuss and doesn't drink on the weekdays. And then you just become this overly frustrated human (laughs) that is just, you know, uh, I don't don't even want to say jealous of life, but just not living it. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. You're jealous of it in consideration to like, you know, what's, what's out there and what you can have and like, you can have it, but you're just self-sabotaging yourself to, 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 you know, to death. That's that's the funny thing of life. You know, uh, what's the purpose of it? And each, each person gets to give and define that, that own meaning. And I think, I think with me, I'm just always trying to look and always trying to grow that. Yeah, for sure. I as well. And I think for me, it has a lot to do with exploration. And and I think in life's exploration, I find more Easter eggs. You know what Easter eggs are? Like those like hidden... Little hidden, surprises. Yeah. Like the, I find more Easter eggs that actually are little pieces of myself that I'm formulating over, you know, a lifetime. And eventually... The whole image comes, whatever it may be, even if I thought, you know, the image is not finished at age 60, you know, God knows when our last days are, but I don't know. I just... Have you ever had this experience? It's not deja vu, but it's it's something that happens and uh, it, it clicks a memory in your head of something that you learned in the past that is finally making sense to you now. <laughs> Has that ever happened to you? Hell yeah, that's happened to me, especially within the last like couple of years. Yeah. It's so weird. I think uh, I've really woken up. <laughs> yeah, this, oh, I, I remember learning about this, and now something is happening, or I'm actively doing something, and it's falling into place, whether it be a couple of hours, days, or even years later. I think, it's like a polyfractal of life. I think that's the Easter egg, right? Like that's what keeps me going in life, like exploring the all these different ways of exposing myself. I don't know, man. Yeah, yeah life and is... actively being aware, aware and recognizing what what uh, those Easter eggs may be, right? Or could be, or could be. Because sometimes I feel like I walk, I walk past. Um, uh, great opportunities every day um, because you could walk down the street and you could be passing up the most unsung heroes that the world never knows mm. uh, and you're just passing them by uh, because we're all ordinary people in earth um. <laughs> that's what happens to me every single time I go hiking dude every single time I go hiking I see these little potential little game trails left and right I'm like yeah. fuck I just want to go down there and just see what's down there if you open up that door it could be worth it or it could not or you could just get your mind blown and be like whoa <laughs> I don't know it could, it could be the concept of um, have gone from left and right parts of the world I mean, you as well, man. It's sick that you and I are literally one state apart. We're like a short drive away from each other. We met in the Philippines. On the other side uh, of the world. (laughs) Yeah, on some random little island that, God bless, dude, pray for that island right now, that whole area, dude. You see it, they're they're getting getting smacked. Yeah, they're getting smacked. Usually usually the islands that um, Tommy and I have met on uh, like the, the whole area, the Visayas Islands, yeah, uh, don't really get hit by storms that bad. They're surrounded by larger islands that buffer the storms. So, um, yeah, big I feel prayers. like a lot of them would uh, hockey stick up 
You know what I'm saying? They'd go up and they would just miss. I mean, there's a huge volcano on that island that we lived on. So, I mean, they'd probably just hit that and it'd be some kind of like quarter pipe for the whole entire weather system. God dang. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's, I mean, seeing so many different sides of the world only exposes so much. And I think that's why I think um, I've woken up to a lot more. Because coming back to the States was a hell of a lot more shocking of culture shock and society shock than going to the Philippines, for sure. Yeah, it was definitely different. I feel the world was, in America, sped up at a different rate, at yeah. a different rate, but also moving slower. Uh, I think mentally slower, but then, like, but then everything else was faster. Like, all of, like, life's daily... It was like, I felt like I, I had to jump on a on a treadmill that was already going at like speed 12 when I got here. Yeah, for sure. And to, to pedal back on when I said what I was talking about where I was, when you came down to my studio that time, I was very in like a, a, a production mindset of putting workout. Is that where you were at? You, you just got about, back. Yeah. Just being influenced by my surroundings and, um, worked like was on that path very much grateful for it um but now especially after everything that happened with the pandemic it it allowed me to step back and take a breath and look at everything in a giant picture fuck yeah and then to just kind of uh reevaluate myself as an artist and a person trying to make this my life i love to hear that it's like it's like it let the the sand settle like the silt in the water yeah and as and as hard as it was at that time and as much as it it hurt and put me through one Mm -hmm. it was definitely a a part of me growing and changing just like heating the metal up and separating those uh molecules and then work hardening them back again to a new form fuck yes i'm hitting with the vibrations baby polyfractals yeah polyfractal is that really what it's called that sounds like a dmt dmt adjective yeah i i heard that uh from duncan trussell oh it is a dmt adjective he says what is above as is below so there's there's a relation to everything Mm. that i want to do in my life even if i don't know it there's some way that they are all connected uh, for example, with the painting, it's a it's a release for me that has no expectations that I need to meet, and it's providing me joy, which will uh, shine light into another aspect of my life. Hopefully, through hopefully through your through your adventure and exploration through that medium. Yeah, so by yeah, by painting sure. actively painting will inspire something like a a thought in my head, for example, to do something else, or or into another medium of art. New, open that door, and right. maybe I'll find an Easter egg. Shit, I've always said that I want to start painting and start creating stuff like that, but like that overhead cost, like you were saying, is kind of just a pain in the ass. And then um, just like the whole concept of having those bounds, like I'm with you 100% and just eliminating every single bound when it comes to creating, right? And so with that, the concept of having a room that is totally meaningful for painting. So that means I don't have to worry about if I'm getting it on the ground, on the ceiling, on the walls, on the windows, right? I want, that's, I feel like that would be the most ideal form of expression for me. Like where you just have a room, a paint room, and you can just fuck shit up, right oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like you can just take the whole entire tub of paint if you wanted and just throw it on there that would be so sick that yeah, would, that's the I, that's the dream dude that's well, the dream also i'm i'm removing uh one main aspect out of being an artist from from the painting that i'm doing and that's trying to sell it mm. um wow that's profound one 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 of a, a shocking reality of being an artist is not not everyone's gonna want to buy your work, and you can make something like I've made pieces with in jewelry that I put my heart and soul in that I thought was the best, and it just got zero reaction. 
and and that is a huge blow uh as as just being a human being and mm. then add that to being an artist which is mm-hmm. something that you're trying to make a career out of so with so without because people will always come in to my studio and look at the paintings and be like wow do you do shows and i go most definitely do not <laughs> most definitely do not because I'm, I'm just taking a expectation out of there because i don't want anything from it mm. whereas in the jewelry that's where I, I i'm trying to support myself and but at the same time make it purely myself and the general public isn't always wanting to say hey that's exactly what we want so that's a, that's a something i'm trying to carve a pathway into making exactly what i want and then actually have it uh syllable syllable what's that word syllable syllable yeah <laughs> so uh, exactly as, as an experienced artist as yourself what how, what can you say to to people who have a sensitive art ego still right it sounds like your art ego is you're you're very mature right like you're you're aware of uh not putting attachment to things you know you're aware of you know um monetary constraints of certain you know you're you're just very aware of your art right some people are like oh i want to be an artist and i want to make money from it and i want to sell my art and then their art ego gets just so demolished by the concept of no one having any reaction to any of their art right but obviously like you said practice is the is the master so so how how do you not take it so personal <laughs> like if if someone or if that is the case right you spend so much time you put in so much effort into a into a piece and it gets no reaction that must be so deflating totally always have a backup plan number 1 <laughs> diversify yourself diversify, diversify that portfolio yourself. my guy yeah check out gig economy uh gig work it always helps um, but one of the things is to not take it personal. Um, be careful who you take advice from because mm, people wow. people are going to look at your work and tell, and tell you exactly what it needs. And those are the people who don't see your work for what it is. They're, they're seeing the flaws. And I would be skeptical, skeptical about taking people's advice like that unless they are uh, uh, an artist themselves speaking from experience because when you when you mix art with business mm-hmm. you're taking you're taking a lot out of what people see art as in my opinion is therapeutic a release uh, enjoyment entertainment mm. so when you mix that with business wow. You have to meet demands and sometimes meeting those demands as an artist is difficult uh, because it's not in the heart to produce that work. So when you, when you're attaching your emotions to that, you're making something that you really uh, care about and then someone doesn't like it. It's, it's hard. And I think having a lot of experiences that are negative not bad, bad, bad. But, uh, <laughs> people are just not right, enlightened right. by your work. Uh, helps humble yourself a little bit to not have expectations that everyone's gonna like you. Because you, there's, I don't think there's one person out there that everybody likes. Right. Maybe Absolutely. Beyonce. Uh, you can. I don't even like her that much. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't <laughs> I don't listen to any Beyonce music. I have I couldn't tell you her newest. Yo, I'm gonna tell you right now. Ever. Put drunk, drunk in love. I think is the song. Oh yeah, my mom loves that song. Yeah, dude. Classic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so with that said, who's your favorite artist right now? I appreciate. Honestly, thank you so much for that answer. I that was so, so amazing, many, and I, have, I appreciate it. And I'm I sure the so, vibrators appreciate that so much. That was so real. Me. That was so I'm, real. I could be a little bit dyslexic at times. Nah, dude, that was so I, real. I that was so honest. That, that was beautiful, bro. Appreciate that so that much. Everything we've been talking about ties into each other. 
Oh yeah. Fractalness. Yeah. <laughs> it seems to be that way for sure. And I think um that's I think that's natural and it's reflective of our of our friendship. We've we've had a lot of drunk night conversations of just we've we spent a lot of time just bantering and I'm not surprised. Hashing those out. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, for sure. Hashing it out. So you're asking me about my favorite artist, Mm -hmm. which is a difficult one. Yeah. Where where are you at in that style, I guess? Better better asked. One one person that I've been following for a while and is always uh, awestruck at their work is um, a woman called Janet Eshelam, I believe is how you pronounce her last name. Hmm. a fabulous ted talk and just does breathtaking work where um she makes hmm, i'm trying to explain how this, the best explain it this because, is the the drapery fishnet right yep that's exactly yes. it. Installations. yes and i and i finally saw one i believe it was last year when i went down to florida for my first time and i was pumped because it's something that is so large in scale, but mm. delicate at the same time, and it's constantly changing its form with the wind. It dances <laughs> in the wind. So funny, because it sounds like you're talking about metal. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> and uh, every piece by her, I just see and get excited, because it's big, it's bold, it's vibrant, it's out there. Her story yeah. on how she found her medium to work with is uh, just a story to fall mm-hmm. in love with. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to give any spoilers, but it's tragic. And, it, and it's, sim- it's very similar to, like, it, it's so beautiful because I feel like we were where we met. We were living around that exact kind of um, environment, right? Oh, yeah. And it's so cool to be able to live in the same environment and see what she was inspired by and be like, wow, honestly that I overlooked that and I'm kind of naive for it. And yeah, that is, see that and she extrapolated, you know what I'm saying, dude, to uh, giant monuments. Right. Um, and that's, that's how I like to see the world is objects that I look at. How can they, how can they be interpreted into my work? Um, like I picked up a, a chair off the side of the road and I started painting on it like a canvas. <laughs> uh, going back to what you're saying about working, working with repurposed materials, it's looking, looking at things and saying, what other functions does it have? What are what other ways can you get enjoyment out of it? Mm. It's like the real art is in the perspective of how you can enjoy it, not how you can change it. Right. Yeah. And everybody sees it differently. Mm. And being being able to communicate those ideas to other people is a true gift. Holy shit. Yeah, and, and, and a gift that needs to be worked on. Absolutely. You know, you, you got to train it. <laughs> so when are you coming down to Greensboro? Because I'm sh- uh, what's her name again? That artist that you're a fan of? Um, which one? The one with the the nets or the oh Jen Eshelon, yeah. Jen Eshelon, Jen. Janet Eshelon. Janet Eshelon. Butchering the last name. Well, Janet. She has. Um, I think she has a piece here in LaBauer Park in oh, Greensboro. Dang, that's all I need is a reason. Yeah, and I was, I, that's what I was saying. When are you gonna come down here and yeah. see your boy and check it out? And the art scene down here is pretty amazing as well, all man. Right, all right. We would have a grand, a grand old time. Well, yeah, whenever, uh, all I need is a reason to start a pilgrimage and I'm there. A pilgrimage. I read this, I read this really good book on bikepacking and, uh, it's, it's base. My basic takeaway was wherever you're going, just have a reason to go there Mm. and it, and it doesn't matter, uh, anything else because the journey will be the enjoyment and then once you get there you have the reason whatever that is to be there are you about to get into that into some um long distance bike uh trekking bike camping like ultralight camping on a bike how do you even 
It, yep. it could, it could be, it could be. I've been riding my bike a lot. I got a couple of different bicycles for different disciplines. Dude, um, you should ride it down to here, bro. Ride ooh, your bike down to my house, and we'll drive miles, I think. And I'll drive you back up to Richmond, ooh, and yeah, I'll that's tempting. That's and then tempting. I'll sh- and then we'll go shopping at your. I, I need some new jewelry. Shout out to my I jeweler, you, baby. I got you covered <laughs> at Wash Design. At Wash Design. W a s h d s g n. That is a perfect timing. I'm gonna give you this time. Thank I you so it. much. Thank you so much, Tommy, for getting on the show, bro. It's been a pleasure. It's been absolutely so sick to be able to dive into your artistic mind. It's been even awesomer to catch up, bro. We're swimming, dude. Swimming by Mac Miller. One of the the better albums. But the floor is yours, brother. Plug it in. Tell them where to get the jewelry, baby. All right. Check me out at Wash Design Instagram at W-A-S-H-D-S-G-N. Hit me up in the DMs if you see something you like. I also got a website. You can check that out at washdesign.com. If you're in Richmond area, look me up. If you ride bicycles, let's shred. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, let's shred, baby. All right, Vibrators. Thank you guys so much. We love you. Tommy, love you, buddy. Thank you All so right, much. All right, peace out, homie. You. Kisses. What's up, Vibrators? If you vibe with that episode and you vibe with the pod, go ahead and put five stars on that Apple podcast rating. Go ahead and put a comment on that Spotify. And go ahead and follow me on Instagram. And we can uh, DM each other and maybe you'll be on the pod. Love you for it. And on the bio of the Instagram page, you can find the link to the Anchor FM if you'd like to support even further. Love you for it. Love you. And as always, thank you to Freddie Leaf for keeping the intro vibration funky, fresh, and original.